0: Listening to a Kink in the Chain Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Kink in the Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel. Ritzy and Alpine could not be here today, but that's okay. I've got someone much more interesting. He might just uh, terrify you a little. Today we've got Sir Ezra. Sir Ezra is an intimacy and BDSM coach at the House of Algos. He identifies as polyamorous, dominant sexual sadist. He's also the founder and headmaster of the leather BDSM household, the House of Algos. He co-founded the Triscalian Scholarship for BDSM Education. He's also the Director of Education for the Sanctuary LAX Studios. He's also now, and the reason he's on today, is to talk about his new book, Fucking Mindfully. It's his first published book. How are you doing today?
0: Oh, I'm doing amazing. It's always nice to see
1: you. Well, it's great to have you on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, obviously, as I noted before, you, you've got a book coming out. Is that, is that true?
0: Yeah, it was just published in May, so it's been a few months, and we sold more than 200 copies, so I'm happy.
1: Very nice. So, obviously, this book is about mind-fucking. I've read the read some of it. What do you love about mind-fucking, out of curiosity?
0: Yeah, mind-fucking is, is really important to me. It's got... Um, it's like it's how do you get into your partner's head right how do you how do you really get them right like I mean you can give somebody a spanking and that's fine, and that's enjoyable and all of that um but if you say just the right thing, it's this like earworm that burrows its way into their fucking head and can mess with them for like a decade you know
1: hmm okay yeah it it and I guess. Uh, what does the bottom get out of this? Since I imagine you, you know, you're destroying their minds. What What does the bottom get out of it?
0: Well, you know, I I cast a really wide net when describing mind fucking, so it's not just what you might imagine, right? It's anything you could imagine about sort of mental play. So it's not just me torturing somebody. It's not just like so. Uh, you can have an ennobling scene, right? Which is the opposite of degrading. And so it doesn't have to be like negative, right? Even if somebody's enjoying degrading activities, you know, you sort of think of it all on the dark end, right? But it can be very light. You know, there was this story that it didn't get put into the book because I heard it from a few different people and I couldn't like actually find the source. It was always sort of the third person telling the story, right? And it was this woman who consented to body writing consented to degradation and humiliation and was nude in a dungeon space and blindfolded and their top had people writing things on them. Right. And so they're fully expecting to have this like really degrading experience where it's all these like rude things written on them. Right. Uh, Which would be what you might expect from body writing. But instead, the top, the first thing they wrote was, write something nice. Right? And so they're going around the dungeon, and everybody's writing stuff like, you have beautiful tits, I love your smile, you're so funny, you're such a kind person, so on and so forth, right? So she finally takes the blindfold off and sees what's written on on her body, and is just like weeping tears of joy, because it was so ennobling, right? So... There's a lot you can get out of it. Um, also, I think we are drawn to certain experiences. Oftentimes, they are experiences that mirror, you know, uh, traumatic experiences, right? And so, I've found that the people who really love mind fucking were the ones who had like an abusive, like an emotionally abusive parent. And there's actually like a draw towards some of those negative uh, activities. But if we can do it in a way that is like with agency, if we can do that in a way that doesn't, you know, negatively impact their self-esteem or their station in the world or their experience, then that's great. We can get, we can scratch that itch without doing any harm.
1: I hate to say it. I've actually done that scene too. So I hopefully it wasn't talking about me, except I did mine with Kanji. I, I, I put a billboard in front and said, these are some kanji signs that say slave, beautiful, sexy, and whatnot. And so people came over with their brush and were were writing it on them. And they had no idea what was going on until I took them in the bathroom with the card and like, you know, okay, this is what this one means. This is what this one means. But I wanted it to be beautiful. They, they loved uh, uh, Japanese culture. So it was just like, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a lovely twist. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that before.
1: Because then it, it's pretty and nobody has any idea what it is until you, well, not saying nobody had people obviously can read kanji That's not, but yeah it's just i thought it was pretty it was, it was a good time so where did you learn how to do all this mindfuckery did did someone mess you up real good dad <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i think that
0: mindfucking is like innately human and i think that we when we have these like fucked up experiences with um people who were emotionally abusive then like we we learn to have those tools also, right? But what I think is more valuable is like, how did I come across the best practices? How did I come across like, how do you do this in a way that is ethical and erotic and consensual, right? And that's something I learned in the community. But I remember that it was so hard to find good information on the topic. It was like, nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to teach me about it. There was nothing in writing I could find. Somebody even said to me, if you really want to learn it, you know, look up emotional abuse tactics, which I was, it, it's just terrible advice, right? That's like, if you want to do knife play, learn how to, you know, why don't you look up surgical techniques? Right? Like that's, it doesn't, you don't have the context of the community in, when you do that. Right. So um i eventually found a mind fucking mentor and so i was able to study under him
1: oh dear (laughs) i don't want to know what the final exam was
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i i did teach a class and then he was part of the class so i don't i didn't think of it as a final exam but if that if there was one then that was it
1: So is mindfuckery something that can be done? I mean, right now online, because right now, right now we're all it's kind of a hybrid situation where some some places are are locking down, others are wide open. Can you do this over the internet, over text, over anything like that?
0: You can. Um, you certainly can. It I think it's really challenging when you only have had online relationships with somebody because it makes it a lot harder to get to know them, right? Not impossible, certainly, but the limiting factor in a mind fuck is how well do you know your mark or your bottom? Right. Uh, but I would say something as subtle as like, you're going to get it when I get home is a mind fuck because I'm not telling you what it is. Right. Or I have a surprise for you when you get home. Like those are all, those are all mind fucks of expectation.
1: But in that very vein, a lot of what we do involves consent. So if you tell somebody I'm going to punish you, but I'm not going to tell you what the punishment is. Doesn't that go against the consent mindset?
0: Not if you've gotten consent to be glib. Okay. Right. So you'd have to go, you'd have to ahead of time say like, sometimes I might not tell you what your punishment is, or I might not tell you what's going to happen. It's all going to be things we've negotiated to do. You know, and that's where things like blanket consent or um, free use policies, a term I've heard, uh, to describe you, the same thing
1: do you know isaac cross no okay he he also teaches a mindfuckery class and uh i don't know if you do this but i, I he told me what, he gets he has a consent form that he hands to the bottoms that, who are going to demo bottom and on that is a checklist of things that you're agreeing to and he adds a whole ton of really messed up ones on there. Like, how about sleeping with an alligator? How about having a limb removed? You know, all these things and they're, they're going down like, what, what? So the, the checklist itself is a mind fuckery, which yep. I thought was pretty yeah. yeah,
0: absolutely. I did that when I did an in-person class. I was like, do you have any heart conditions I need to be aware of? Are you prone to seizures? Does, you know, Can who's your next of kin? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I
1: believe that
0: a meta mindfuck.
1: Um, so, what has been your best experience scene with mindfuckery? What 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 are you proud of? What's your badge of honor?
0: It's, it's really hard to tell because um, I love it so much, and it's like there's a lot of of scenes that have had mind mindfucking components. Um, there was. Yeah, and, and in trying not to give away any of the fun stories in the book, because there's like 14 actual stories in the book along with the intellectual dissection of it. Uh, and I don't want to give away those stories, right? So they're fresh. But um, one time I did pick a play and this woman was like, any degradation, any humiliation you can throw at me, just go ahead and do it, right? Um, and I was... It was a great scene. Very good energy. And I was like spanking her pussy with a rice spoon. And she was wet. And I was like, oh, you got fucking lady cum all over my spoon. Now you owe me a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great because it's like it's degrading in a way. (laughs) Because it's only a fucking dollar. Right. Yeah. The idea that like. We're having this experience. It's just what valuables that's so much more valuable than the value of this fucking wooden rice spoon. But now I'm gonna call her out for ruining my my cheap tools.
1: (laughs) That uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, so I would call that a degrading mindfuck.
1: Now, have you had any? Bad experiences with mindfucker. I know this is kind of a more solemn one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I didn't. Um, I didn't realize the impact at first. You know, there's a, there's a lot that can happen in a mindfuck, and I'll say that I gave some people the wrong impression. I had a pub partner who, like, before I really understood what impact mindfucking can have on people. I just was like laying into her and they're, you know, I, in the book, I talk about um, ending the scene. Like it's important to unfuck the mind. And I really fucked that up at first, you know, I didn't stop and say, okay, jokes over. Right. And so I gave them all these impressions of like, uh, that they were like inadequate or, um, you know, they weren't good enough. And I'm honestly still dealing with that today. You know, I'm still helping unpack that because it was internalized. It matched too closely with messages they received when they were young and it just, it did damage, you know? So I did traumatize my partner uh, in a way that I was not intending to. And, um, you know, and that's why it's so important to have this stuff put in a book, right? Because it's, it's so hard to find Good, valuable information about what is ethical and what is, you know, what is the right way to do things. You know, what is the risk mitigated way to do it? Uh, what is the the risk aware way to do it? Right?
1: Rack way, yeah, yeah. Any uh, pro tips for somebody who's interested in getting involved in mindfuckery, or is that is that all in the book?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, get the book, obviously.
1: <laughs> it's got a step-by-step guy. Well,
0: yeah, no, I mean, and I would say, like, um, and I do. I there's like a whole chapter on safety, um, and I would say I would give two pieces of advice. Uh, number one is use the safety container. Use the, I'm sorry, the the good times container, if you will. Right, like if you're not having a good time, then you're outside of the container. Right, like we can have an experience. And there needs to be bounds on that experience. There needs to be like a cap on the ends of it, right? And the cap, the first cap we should use is having fun. Go have some fun. But if at any point, either one of you is are not having fun, that means something's gone wrong. And it's time to stop and unpack what's happening so that you can get back to that fun zone, right? And I'm not saying that there isn't value in, Experiences that are like somber or deep or cathartic, right? Like those are definitely there. But for the the novice at mind fucking, keep it fun. Um, and the second piece of advice I would say is that you are absolutely obligated to unfuck the mind. If you create an illusion, if you create, you know, a misunderstanding, for the sake of play, then that's good and well, as long as you undo it right? As long as you reveal the secrets, uncover the illusion, clear up the misunderstanding at the end of it. And I think a lot of people will give me pushback on this because they're like, Oh, well then I can't use it again. Well, tough shit. Think of a new one. Buy the book and you get all kinds of ideas. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I yeah. think the, the best one I ever saw in general was, um, was Isaac cross actually. And he, uh, he had conspired with the demo bottoms roommate to get her favorite stuffed animal, her absolute favorite, her stuffy. And he tied her to a chair and then he pulled out the stuffed animal and he proceeded, he pulled out a Bowie knife and proceeded to gut it in front of her and drape the the cotton all over. And she was like weeping on stage, like, Oh my God, how did I get it? What she didn't realize is that the stuffed animal that he had gotten was not hers. It was just a duplicate and uh then he pulls out the real one but for moments she's like weeping on stage like oh my god what did i agree to why am i draped in the entrails i mean just cotton but still it was just that that horror and then then suddenly the to unfuck the mind like no here's your real stuffy and <laughs> like here you go i mean it was but it was beautiful to watch because she hadn't hadn't even realized that that was on the menu
0: <laughs> sure yeah absolutely yeah, just- well and i think um the unfucking the mind is, is the difference between power over and power with, right? Like if I tell you I have psychic powers, uh, rope squirrel, and I tell you that, you know, through the camera, through the internet, I am reading your mind and none of your thoughts are secret anymore. I can read all of them. All of your deepest desires are bare to me and boy, are you nasty, right? <laughs> Um, that's great fun and all, but if I don't say, Hey, that wasn't real, then I'm maintaining that illusion and it, it becomes power over, right? Like if we, if I make that illusion and I let it go, then it's power with, we both get to enjoy the fun of, of that illusion. But, uh, if I don't let it go, then I get to keep having fun and you are simply tortured into Mm -hmm. perpetuity. Right.
1: Yeah, for sure. I hear you're also an intimacy coach. What does that entail?
0: That's right. Yeah. So uh, intimacy coaching is great for all kinds of people who would like to have either better sex or different sex or uh, need help communicating with their partner or uh, need help establishing boundaries, right? Those are all really good uh, things to bring to intimacy coaching. And the reality is that a lot of therapists, a lot of psychologists, a lot of psychiatrists are not really prepared to to deal with the whole human in a sexual way. Right. And being, you know, knee deep in BDSM, there's a lot of lessons that I've learned about how to communicate, how to become, how to be more intimate with your partner, how to be more honest with yourself, how to come to terms with your fetishes and how to accept them. And, uh, And so that's a great resource for some people. I do couples coaching. I do individual coaching. And I'm actually starting a podcast in October called Ask Ezra. And it's basically just intimacy coaching live as a podcast. So you get to really see what is happening under the hood. And I think that's really important because we get this impression that we're supposed to hide issues that are intimate, right? And so it can feel like nobody has any intimate issues, and being alone, feeling alone, is a really detrimental feeling. And just feeling like you're not alone in your struggle is a huge resource. And so, you know, it's really my destiny. I like this is what I'm meant to be doing on this planet, is is helping people, you know, with their intimacy and. And helping people feel not alone in their challenges.
1: So messing with their minds and then helping them at the same time.
0: Yeah. Same deal. (laughs) Same deal. Just the other way around. I'm just focused on unfucking the mind.
1: In that case. (laughs) Do you have any amazing success stories about your intimacy coaching? Like somebody you brought back from the brink of nothingness? Um,
0: I don't think I brought anybody back from the brink of nothingness. Um, I think that I've given people hope a lot of times because they'll feel like there's just no way. Like if you've, if you just figured out how kinky you are and you haven't been able to find a partner who can really appreciate you, I think it's really tough to, um, to imagine that there will be somebody who can appreciate you. And I was in that same boat, right? I was, um, in my first marriage, I was not appreciated. My kinks were a burden. And I just couldn't imagine that anybody could like see them as a resource. Right. But they are, they are a resource and they're celebrated. And my, my wife absolutely loves how filthy I am. Right. She goes, Oh, you nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's a celebration, you know? Um. So, yeah, I, I mean, I won't share the name, but I, I remember meeting somebody who was just positive that no one would be able to enjoy the things that they enjoyed. And by the end of a few months of, of really talking it out, like they had started building a community, you know, they started building their network of people who, um, just you know, really saw them and really appreciated them, and and that's what I want for everybody. I want you to be seen, and I want you to be appreciated.
1: Well, as as someone who is who's met you in person and met your wife, if she says you nasty, I, I believe it. I believe it to the core. So <laughs> absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, the other thing too is I get a lot of clients that are like not young, not like in the beginning of their life, and I think that there is it's almost like this implied permission to do your exploring when you're young. But then if you miss that, there's no window. There's no like, okay, now you're 40, go ahead and try a bunch of weird stuff. Right. And, and I want people to know that it's never too late. It's really never, you've never lost your opportunity to explore so long as you're breathing. Like if you're breathing, you can still explore this stuff. And so a lot of my clients are, you know, feel like they've missed the boat in the first place. And I kind of help them like hasten their process and, and, you know, jump ahead a little bit and, and get it done even faster.
1: You're, you're an invaluable resource in that regard, I'm sure. And thank you very much for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. It's one job I don't have to worry about automation taking. <laughs> I can't I imagine the love robot.
1: Yeah, uh, that's. Hmm. I mean, I, I once wrote a, a a piece of software that was a robo therapist, which was really interesting because you just type, didn't matter what you type, but it randomly pick a phrase like, "And how does that make you feel?" or "Is this related to your mother in any way?" and and it, <laughs> and I was surprised just as I was talking to it, like how effectively it was communicating, even though it had no idea what I was talking about. It's like, you know, I'm having this trouble. at school. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Well, I'm, I, 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 it makes you feel awful. Is this about your mother? No, it is not. This has nothing to do with my mother. Oh, well then please continue. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I just realized I'm just talking to a piece of software, but you know, you're right. I mean, you're, I highly doubt people are always going to need, want to be more intimate with their partners and, and whatnot. And, um, especially even right now that, I mean, I'm sure there's so many long distance relationships right now that have cropped up and people just can't visit one another. And mm. I'm sure it's ended a lot of relationships too, because they're just like, well, I can't, I can't come to California. I can't come to New York. I can't, I can't go there because too much COVID. And
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just had a session with somebody who um, established during COVID established a long distance relationship with somebody in the UK. So, like america to uk and their issue was there were having trouble um like asserting dominance and so there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do like establishing protocols and and uh, rituals right so that that person feels submissive even if you can't be physically there
1: yeah you send them a big blow-up version of yourself just like <laughs> there you go you know,
0: have a cutout the cardboard cutout yeah
1: obey the cutout whatever it says
0: worship my cutout (laughs) polish it
1: (laughs) oh that's funny (laughs) so obviously the important thing is where can they get your book
0: so my book is available on amazon as a paperback as an audiobook or as an ebook and if you want to really support the author then the best thing that you can do is get your signed copy and that's available at gumroad.com slash house of algos. And I will personally write whatever you want in there and sign it. And I do want to dispel the rumor that's been going around. The books are not signed in human blood.
1: That's good to know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Clogs the pen. It's just impractical.
1: Kind of like the, what little Nas X and the um,
0: the blood shoes,
1: yeah, the blood shoes and the Tony Hawk blood skateboards, you know, that he's he brought out. Like, so, so, so no blood in your book, <laughs>
0: no blood in the book, yeah, just paper and ink.
1: Okay, and how can they contact you if they want to contact you as a person?
0: Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is through my website, houseofalgos.com, and uh, I also do check my my um mailboxes on my social media accounts so that's instagram twitter facebook and rarely tiktok
1: rarely tiktok okay <laughs> i I, th- I hate to say it, my, my tiktok has turned to nothing but but dancing cat girls. That's all I get. And it's guessing, I guess it knows me very well now. You've
0: taught, you've taught the algorithm to, to what, you know, what you want to see. So
1: it's like, Oh God, I shouldn't have liked those cat girl videos, but Hey, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and now for the silliest question that I like to ask all of our guests, pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. With ham.
1: With ham. So so full Hawaiian style. Full
0: Hawaiian. Yeah, absolutely.
1: That's a, a lot of the times when we're doing these interviews people get very somber on their topic like our, our last interview that we had was uh actually no there was the one before that because this will come out after that one so a, a few shows ago we had a, a woman who had been abused and she would wrote a whole book on another author such as yourself but we were just so somber and eventually it's like okay pineapple on pizza we gotta we gotta liven this up a little bit because we're getting really depressing and somber here <laughs> mm-hmm. so.
0: yeah no i love pineapple on pizza and i also love that People don't love pineapple on pizza because i know that if i get that pizza that it's not going to just disappear instantly right
1: <laughs> it's a it's a good it's a good little uh yeah it, it not everyone likes it and I, I just like it that it's not this big well there is a lot of people who like passionately hate it or passionately love it but it's 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 just a very neutral nice little question a fun little one to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have do you have time to hang around for a few uh, some news articles and some viewers? Yeah, questions? absolutely. Awesome. <coughs> all right. Yeah, cough and do your thing. <laughs> We're uh, all right. So, my listeners, the article we have this week isn't really about the article itself. I'll be frank with you. The title of it is is it's about a murder trial and it's about that the woman and the the murderer were both involved in a dark world. The article itself isn't all that and it, too much to speak about. It talks about a murder, it talks about all the other stuff and you know i I feel sorry for for the you know the, the people left behind all that kind of thing. The part that bothered me about this article in particular, though, was it would I'll quote from it: "The accused, fifty-one-year-old Joshua Ward and Kelly, were both part of a community through FetLife.com." And then further on, it talks about how BDSM was going to come up during the uh, during the trial, and it's like, I don't know, what do you feel about this? Ezra? I, I, I personally just think it's unrelated, personally, but
0: yeah, no, it's it's puritanical bullshit. You know, I mean, Puritans founded founded uh this uh original settlement right and they got kicked out of the uk for being too uptight so they must have been really uptight um and yeah it's just absolutely unrelated i mean you could also be like and they both drank water like yes but there is no causation it's correlation without causation
1: yeah they could have easily have both been on they're both Amazon Prime subscribers. You
0: know? mm, yeah, that's what did them in.
1: It's like it, just because they're on there. And even further later in the article, it talks about Kramer was an addict who used methamphetamine and traded sex for rent. Like I think Fetlife is the least of his problems right there. Like there's other stuff going on there.
0: Well, I think it's really attractive to dehumanize people that do outrageous things. You know, because we want to be, we want to feel safe. We want to feel like, oh, our husband, our wife couldn't murder us. Right. Um, But the reality is, we're all just one traumatic brain injury away from total psychosis.
1: This is true. And there have (laughs) been so many studies that talk about the like in the like the DSM where they had to destigmatize, I think it's the DSM five where they destigmatized. Uh, BDSM and as a, it used to be a sexual addiction. Now it's just Mm. a sexual something else, but it's, it's in short, they've done tons of studies on BDSM couples. And we're actually, usually we communicate more. We generally are even more intimate with one another. You know, there's all these positives. And then you, you look at a vanilla couple who only has missionary sex and one part partner just wants to try. Even home, let's just say homosexual sex, and that's just not allowed in that kind of a relationship. So, one partner is just miserable for the rest of their life, versus in ours, it's like, if I really wanted to do it, I could probably go to my partner and say, Hey, I would really love to try, try this. And she'd be like, Well, go have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could just as easily say, you know, and both of them were monogamous, and this bizarre niche relationship style caused them to go insane.
1: <laughs> and there's, there's a whole uh, well uh, people th- this particular article I found it because it was a huge Life thread about it and it was interesting to to see all the reactions of course admittedly biased people who were on Life are going to be against this very much so but even even it just I don't know I, I see that they do hit pieces on like child predators and everything else and it's like and they were on Life, and they were on Life, like it's just Fat life is not there are dangerous people on Fat Life, but there's dangerous people on OK Cupid and Etsy for that matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just uh I don't know. I, I I hope one day we get to be like, you know, Midori for president or something, you know, where we have a kinky person in the White House and the you know the, good
0: luck with that.
1: And uh, you know, <laughs> you know good luck I, with I, that. That's gonna I happen
0: have, like a hundred years after we have a gay president.
1: Yeah it would just be nice to have, I know we've had like, Oh, we've had openly transgender individuals. We have openly gay um, members of Congress and things of that nature. So I think we're getting there, but you know, I, I would just love to see, you know, your, your local Senator comes to a meeting clad in leather with a flogger attached to his belt. And it's like, you know, uh, uh, what a whip in every hand and a dungeon on every corner that that's their, their thing that'd be,
0: that'd be i'd nice. vote for that
1: yeah me too <laughs> 24 hour like we have 24 hour fitness we need the 24 hour dungeon you know Where, yeah. where's that at <laughs> I mean, yeah
0: well the 24 hour fitness is a place that you can go to experience suffering
1: oh yes <laughs> <laughs> some of that equipment looks like bdsm torture equipment for so, that yeah. matter so
0: indeed indeed it does
1: well, my listeners, there wasn't a whole lot to specifically talk about on this article. If you want to read it, it's, it's interesting. But it was just more the, the commentary about how this happens way too often, where it was just it's being it's it's a false equivalency. And I, we just wanted to I just wanted to hear Ezra's opinion on it. You know, I, I think I knew his opinion before we started, but it was uh, I thought it was interesting. So,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you could say that 100 uh, percent of serial killers drank water. Mm-hmm. So you know, you shouldn't drink water because it might make you a cereal cooler
1: <laughs> Fat life is not I wouldn't say fat life is a safe place, but it's no more dangerous than anywhere else on the planet. So if you're gonna engage with fat life, you know, do your due diligence, do your kinky background checks, whatever that might be to you, join your local community, you know, vet people if you have to, but You know, don't just go on to Craigslist and meet somebody, you know, in a cabin up in the mountains that you've never met before and agree to be tied up and, you know, whatever, because that might be a dangerous thing. But meeting someone at your local club or, you know, setting up safety calls, you know, these are the things that keep you safe, even in the vanilla dating world, much less the kinky dating world.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the community is all about risk mitigation. And certainly we're not without some bad seeds. But in general, I think that the BDSM community is safer than, than the non-BDSM community.
1: Thank you for that. I appreciate it. You ready for some viewer questions? Yeah. All right. No, let's do it. So our first question comes to us from Ben in Ontario, Canada. And he writes, I know what we do is sometimes called scening, and therefore we are all actors in a scene. However, I suck at acting. Being a top, I sometimes get asked to play a part. Every time the scene ends, I tend to feel like I didn't give the greatest performance. Any tips for me to excel in my scene? Show notes, as it were.
0: Yeah, well, I think that acting is not your first priority, right? Your first priority is intimacy. Your first priority is partner connection. So that should be your focus, The other thing I'll say is practice makes perfect and it can be really weird to like, be like, okay, I'm a pirate now. Right. Um, But if you practice every once in a while, being a pirate, then it's not going to feel so weird when you jump into it. And there's also like this idea that like you have to keep a straight face and like, you don't, nobody said that. And if they said it, they probably were taking themselves too seriously. Um, And the other thing I'll say is when you're like donning personality uh, you don't want to make eye contact right away. So just look at the floor for the first 30 seconds of your performance, and then you can engage and it will be a little
1: easier to stay in character. For sure. And Ben, I do understand part of this because like some of the things that we do in a scene quote unquote may not be things that we may be willing to do. Like it, for, let's just take a flogging or a beating scene, for example. I mean, you don't go around just beating people for no reason. You you get consent, you've talked to that individual, you've negotiated, and you've connected with that individual in some way before the beating begins. I hope. At least I, I hope that is the case. So I can understand that playing a part where you you become someone that you are not officially anyway to then perform that action Uh, i myself for example have been taught all my life not to hit people and then somebody runs up to me and goes will you hit me and like uh my if it was not in this dungeon absolutely not but we're in a dungeon so i'm going to put on the part of of a of a top and then i'm going to beat you and then as soon as we're done you and i are going to sit down and have a um a cuddle session aftercare where you're going to tell me that that everything I did was okay and I'm, I'm not a monster and that kind of thing so I do understand that part from you I understand why you would consider it to be a part but it doesn't have to be that's the point if if you're fine if I don't want to say if you're fine with hitting people because you know nobody should be outside of a scene nobody should be just fine with with hitting people unless you're a boxer i guess if you're a boxer then i guess you got a bigger problems. Better.
0: they still have their scenes too if the boxer punches the other boxer before the before the the bell rings then it's
1: assault yeah that's true so in essence i guess the, the way that you need to think about this is not that it's a scene but find things that you enjoy doing legitimately and as sir ezra said it it doesn't it, scenes don't have to be super serious you don't have to be the big domley top Uh, you know stoic you're not you're not a guard at the queen's palace or anything like that you can you can make a funny scene you can make a silly scene you can make a disastrous scene if it has if it has to be i've i've had some scenes that have gone way off the rails and i've had to stop them but it doesn't matter it's it's more about the the connection between the two individuals no one else is there and as long as they're having a good time i think they your partner should be saying no notes for you (laughs) yeah
0: and you can also like focus on what is a role that you do want to play right if you can't imagine being a pirate but you could imagine being the captain or you could imagine being like a doctor then focus on that you know like lean into what feels right and if it doesn't feel right then maybe don't do it
1: yeah i I suppose i'm biased because i used to be an actor a very long time ago and so on occasion i will give my uh my bottoms a choice to the dominant that they want to receive do they want a silly one do they want a stoic one um and but that's just me and that's because i've done it and i'm able to play those parts but that is not something that is required in any scene you can be yourself if you so desire anything else you wanted to say about this one
0: i think we covered it okay
1: well ben i really hope that that uh, <clears throat> answers your question and if you have any feedback for us please don't hesitate to hit us up at podcast at kinkinthechain.com and now my listeners for those of you who have been listening to this it's time for your contest code for this particular episode today's contest code is bondage 32 that is bondage 32 if you enter that on the contest page you will get additional entries to our drawing. so good luck to you bondage 32 our next question comes to us from Kyle in Massachusetts. And, I, and now I was about to say it because I read the text. <clears throat> Our next question comes to us from Kyle in Massachusetts. Everyone tells me I should watch out for red flags. However, I am very new to this lifestyle. What are some common red flags in the BDSM community I should be watching out for? Hmm.
0: Well, red flags are not objective. They're subjective, right? They're, they really depend on the person. So, for example, I might find somebody who has bipolar disorder to be a red flag because I'm not ready to deal with that. But if somebody else either has experience with that or also has bipolar disorder, then it's not a red flag for them, right? So, red flags are personal, red flags are your red flags, not everybody's red flags. but a good example of, so I think that maybe there should be some standard red flags for people who are new to the community, because there are things that uh, where people kind of tend to get taken advantage of at the beginning. Right? So if somebody cannot give you references, that's a red flag. Uh, if somebody uh, doesn't want to show up to community events and is like talking about how the community is like, they're out to get you and they're not a bunch of good people. Um, they're probably been caught doing some unscrupulous stuff and that's why they're not welcome. Right. So that's, um, you know, that's a, a red flag. I would also say somebody who's not willing to meet you in public first is a red flag. Cause you want to maintain some safety and, you know, meet somebody in person in public so that you can walk away and with relative safety and if they attack you then you have witnesses at least right um yeah but i mean the red flags are really you know beyond beyond those i think it's really personal it's what do you find to be a deal breaker
1: for sure and like another example i would use is isolation because there are some individuals who will try to similar to what you said, Ezra, where, you know, those people are bad. They will try to coerce you into being like, don't be with those people come be just with me. Don't talk to those people. I want to make sure that you're, they, they do it under the guise of, well, I want to keep you safe. I want to make sure that, you know, those, those people don't come after you because there's some bad people in that community. It's like, yeah, well, there's bad, as we said, in the news articles, bad people in every community, but Things like that. Um, I did have one case of somebody who refused to meet to play in public. And originally that was a red flag for me. Like, well, why are you so scared? But they were scared because they were a school teacher and they didn't want to be caught in a compromising position and possibly lose their their job. To which I did kind of inform them, like, well, what if one of my parents, you know, of the kids is there? Like, well, that means they're kinky, too. And it's mutually assured destruction. But I understand that you would be scared about that and then so it's like okay well can we at least go out in public to begin with like two restaurants normal things quote unquote and then we'll play in private once i get to know you a little bit better uh or in in this particular case i said you know can i have you know i'd like you to invite somebody who could watch this scene or sit in the next room and i'll invite somebody just as so we have witnesses kind of thing for the first time or two Mm -hmm. and they were willing to do that they're they're I think their friend was a little weirded out, but Hey, you know, they did it. And, um, so these are just, yeah, a red flag is anything that, you know, makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Anything that you're just like, I don't, this doesn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. Similar to any scam, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And, um, I mean, you, you wouldn't be, I have a few, um, honeypot profiles on fat life that I used to, to catch people. It was part of my job when I used to work for Fat Life, and uh, I got. I did not know this about you. I got some interesting offers to which I had to go. Hmm. Like I had one guy who, who back this was before nine eleven. He sent me plane tickets to fly to to New York, and he wanted me to be as, Well, I, I identify as a girl on there because you know, <laughs> better, better, more, uh, more fish that I can catch that way. He sent me plane tickets, and it's like, you know, I want you to come. You're gonna be my slave girl for the weekend, and it's like, oh, you don't even know me. All you saw is my profile picture and my list of kinks, and now I need to talk to you about this. Um, so, red flags again. <laughs> if it makes your hair stand up, then yeah, then you need to, you need to look at that. And Ezra's oh,
0: <laughs> your new nickname is Winnie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh and all his honey pots. <laughs> well it was just that was the biggest complaint we were getting from mostly female identifying individuals it's just mm-hmm. all this creepy stuff so it's like okay you know this is a learning opportunity for you i need to, to have a discussion with you about why this is inappropriate um, it, seems, what... it,
0: it seems like you were sitting by the by the on the beach trying to dry up the ocean with a teaspoon <laughs>
1: yeah it, it I probably only <laughs> maybe got to about two hundred people over the course of a few years, but uh-huh. still yeah there's there's thousands joining every day, so yeah,
0: yeah. They think it's a dating them. site like and I honestly, I don't think it's I don't think it's malice. I mean there is there is malice, but I think that the the majority of it is just ignorance. like they think it's a dating site, and so that's how they operate but in fat life is not a dating site.
1: Well, in the whole there's, the, there's also the message conundrum, which is not just unique to FetLife. It's somebody joins the site and is looking to date, as you said, and so they look at some person's profile and they, they gaze at it intently and they craft a loving message that goes over all the stuff in the message or in the, in the profile and they send it off and they don't get a reply. And then they're heartbroken and devastated because this person didn't read my message and oh my God. But what they don't know is the person on the other end has gotten 900 messages over the course of a day and does not physically have the time to go through them. So they don't answer. So then the original person stops trying so hard and starts sending just junk messages like, hey, want to have sex, send, which contributes to the problem even further. And so it's this self-fulfilling prophecy where nobody's talking to one another. And
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very different perspectives.
1: It's like, if you want to meet somebody in this particular regard, it's like, you know, find, I'm not saying stalk them, but if they're at an event that you're going to go, go talk to them, go physically, you know, Hey, how's it going? Get an introduction, that kind of thing. Don't just send a message in the void and expect an answer.
0: I had a, a great moment of empathy when I was at a conference and they didn't, there was supposed to be food at the conference, but like it just wasn't, there wasn't a as much as 10% of the amount of food that they should have had. Right. And so there's a lot of hungry people and every time a server came in with a plate of food, they wouldn't be able to get like 10 feet in the door. They would just get like swarmed. And I was like, Oh, this must be how women feel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or I mean, uh, I, I, I actually, uh, it's not a honeypot, but I have an account on a, on a chastity website. And I get so many freaking messages from these tops saying, well, now you will serve me. You will serve me. And I'm like, okay, has this worked for you in the past? And they start asking me questions. And I'm like, I'm an an international BDSM educator. And I do all this stuff. And oh, how quick they block me. (laughs) Like, like, oh, you are not the kind of person that I am looking for on here. It's like, no, I'm probably the kind of person you're looking for. I'm just not going to take any kind of crap from you
0: (laughs) yeah well they're looking for somebody who'll take the crap right
1: yeah and 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 either send them send them a wire transfer after that so it's like uh, you shouldn't have to pay pay someone to get their attention unless it's only fans i guess but then whatever that's that is what it is you know
0: that's right i've got
1: about uh 10 more minutes until i gotta run Okay, we'll finish the last question here. Um, our last question comes to us from Kendra in Colorado. And, I, and she writes, I recently joined this whole BDSM community as a submissive. I've got a few scenes under my belt and I would love to experience even more. I'm debating trying out topping as well, but the thought of that makes me so nervous. I vaguely recall that Ritzy and Rope Squirrel said they were switches. Do you have any tips on how to migrate from solely being a bottom to being a top and perhaps even the aforementioned switch?
0: Well, if you are bottom and you want to top, then it kind of you kind of already are a switch, even if you haven't done it, right? Uh, or if you top and you like it and you still want to bottom, then you kind of just are a switch. Um, but you're allowed to identify however you want. Um, and I'll say too that yes, there is like a skills barrier with topping, um, but there's also things that that are really hard to. Like hurt somebody by accident, right? So spanking, for example, is is really challenging to to hurt somebody with spanking. I mean, to to harm somebody, I should say. So that's a great way to start. Is just with the barehanded spanking because uh, unless you're you know built like a brick shit house, you're probably not gonna do any real damage, and you get to see or sort of see how it feels. And the other thing I'll say is like pick one instrument that is attractive to you and, and master it. Like, so like get a flogger and just flog every day, flog your furniture, flog your pillow. um, And then you'll get really good control of it. And then you can flog your friends.
1: (laughs) For sure. Something else I'd recommend is there, there's two things you could do. You could either co-top a scene with somebody if you're un if you're uncomfortable about it, if you've never done it before, So in essence, you're somewhat taking orders from somebody on how, on what the scene is going to progress as, but you're also doing the action as well. So they're saying, you know, I want you to hit them. Okay, hit them. And then eventually you can take that person, either put that person in your brain and be like, all right, this is my top side ordering me to do things um, or just do it naturally as you start getting comfortable with it. The other thing is to become a service top, which is very similar, but in essence, you are... Still taking orders from somebody, but it's it's somewhat more of a relationship, not just as just a scene. You're just it's more of a I need your help co-topping this individual. And eventually you may get comfortable. I, I'm currently mentoring someone right now who's having this very same issue. They they've been a submissive their entire life, and I am teaching them how to flog, I'm teaching them how to how to structure scenes because they're just like, Oh, being a submissive is easy. All I have to do is show up and lay on the table naked. That's all I gotta do. Like, yeah, well. I mean, you got to take some pain and and whatnot, but there's a lot to it and um, yeah, get to know it from some people and you may, since it doesn't sound like you've actually tried it. Yeah. You've debated topping so far. It may not be for you, but give it a try. See if you like it. And these are just some ways that you can get into that world.
0: Yeah. And I would say communication is, is like the most important component, right? So, Find somebody that you can really trust to to have their honesty, because that's going to make it a lot easier, a lot lot more pleasant than if you're, it's like somebody you just met and you're like, well, how did they like it? They didn't tell me. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? If you don't get that information, it can be really challenging um, to do that topping.
1: For sure. Well, Kendra, I hope that answers your question. And if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at kinkinthechain.com. We'd love to hear from you. Ezra, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I really appreciate you coming on the show and helping us answer questions and talking about your book. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. It's always great to get a chance to talk to you, Rope Squirrel.
1: Thank you. And as always...
0: Stay kinky, my friends.
1: Check us out on the web, the web at KingInTheChain.com. Follow us on Twitter at King Chain Show. We don't
0: fight unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future
1: show. Send your emails to podcast at KingInTheChain.com.